Hello and welcome to the Edge of the Box Football Podcast, the show where we aim to challenge football convention with thought-provoking and outside-the-box points of view. Santi Cazorla. Do we give him the credit he deserves? Is Arsenal's one-ankled maestro unfairly excluded from discussions about the Premier League's most spellbinding and was he, in fact, a better all-round player than Man City's David Silva? Our resident Arsenal fan gives his view. And in light of Amazon's all-or-nothing docuseries, we discuss which footballing triumph of the last two decades would make for the best Netflix programme. There are some fascinating contenders, Liverpool's Miracle of Istanbul, Leicester's title win, of course, and that time Tottenham... Um, uh, oh, never mind. As always, feel free to follow us on Twitter at Edge of the Box Pot. I'm your host, Harry Brett. Not a quick, not a quick fire brain teaser to start off with. Oh, go on, start us off. Right, okay. So, I don't know if you, you might have said this around, but Jose Mourinho Monday secured his 200th Premier League win. He did. He's the fifth manager to do this. Who are the other four? Okay, well, Saf. Not not your friend Saf, but Sir Alex Ferguson. <laughs> yep. Fergie Wenger. Yep, yep. Um, wow, it's gonna be it's gonna be people with, with a bit of long Hodgson. Who? Hodgson. Roy Hodgson? No. Um two hundred. I think about it. Redders, Redders, Rednaps. Yes, Rednaps one of them. Redders. Um Who's the last? Not Sam Allardyce either. <laughs> he is a distinguished so, who, career. How many, how many have you got? Three? We got Fergie. Oh, Fergie. Alan I know he became no. fifth, so there's only one more that we need yeah. to get, right? Um, Not Alan Pardew. Oh, Redknapp. Already got Listen, listen. Sam Allardyce. No. Already guessed him. Listen. <laughs> um, oh, God. Would, would, give, would giving us a clue of his team give it away? Um, he's still managing in the league. Currently, Pep Clark. Is this is this is this obvious? He's still managing in the league. It might, but I mean, to be fair, when I've David asked, Moyes. It is David oh, Moyes. Moyes, Moyes, it. Moyes so it. I've asked, I've asked other people like that Damn. question, and the one they, the one they don't get is Redknapp. So that I was expecting that one. Redknapp was a good shout. Yeah, you just got yeah. So you got Sir Alex Ferguson, Arsene Wenger, Argan, Argan Oil, Arsene Wenger. David Boyce, Harry Redknapp, and now, Jose Mourinho. Jose. I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to open this, so remember the time of this recording, because it's quite loud. <laughs> okay. Right, that's me. That's um, Harry. <laughs> some, Thanks for uh, listening. This um, podcast is sponsored by Guinness. Um, <laughs> I wish, I wish. They sent me crates on crates. Oh, that shit crate. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, um, we'll go on to the potentially interestingly controversial point that Mr. Egby, the Arsenal fan, has to make. And what is it? It regards one of your former players. Please inform us what you think of what, you, what you've got on your mind, sir. So, my rant is... The, why do people have such a hype and praise for David Silva and not Santi Cazola, who I think is actually a better player? Better player. Look at the look at the look at the devil stare you're getting from the Man City fan right now. 
Go on, Rose. So we'll start with you if you've got a counter. Go on. Son versus Larice. Go on. Have him. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the they whistle. So they, they get it. But unfortunately, Egby, you don't get it. You <laughs> don't. I, I agree that he's a very good player. Like, I think it's justified. He's a very, very good player. But Santi Cazol, I think he's just a better all round player from tackling, passing, dribbling, left foot, right foot. Set I mean, when you put it into that kind of perspective, yeah, I can agree. But right, then again, over. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say that, like, how many years was Kazor at Arsenal? Six, was it? 11, 12, when he first arrived? Yeah. So, and then he, what, he left two years ago? Yeah. Someone do the maths. About five or six. <laughs> So, so six or seven, seven or eight. <laughs> oh, the two bomb set maths here. Come on. Um, I think for me, um, the one thing that puts David Silva higher than Mazzola um, is just the consistency throughout his playing career. Granted that they've both played a good amount of years within the Premier League, um, but I think with David Silver as well, he was part of that initial kind of so line of of players that what you know once we got took over that have just been, you know, instrumental to building a team around and using his kind of style. And I think he's had a more impact at the club and on the league than Santi Cazola. But when it comes yeah. down to player-wise, I do agree he's probably a bit more, you know, versatile in other areas than David Silva. But then, I don't know, when you're when you, when you, when you comparing them on the pitch, I just think, for me, David Silva is a much better playmaker than he is a person that's like tackling or left foot, right foot. It don't really matter if he's not got that in his locker. He makes up for it with his, you know, technical ability with passing through balls, the just the simple stuff and just being able to, you know, manoeuvre out a small uh, situation. Almost as, as good, if not better, at being a playmaker. Eggs, why, why do you think that Cazorla doesn't get the credit that Silva gets? If I think he's at our worst team. So I think the style. I think the style of play that City did he play with, like Pep, and obviously before that, I think it it allowed him to sort of be like the shining light. Like he was the De Bruyne of the time, like a few years ago before Kevin was there. You know, he was getting assists, he was playmaking, etc. So I think the style of play helped him. And like I said, he's a quality player, but. I think Cazola's obviously at our worst team. I don't think we were playing the most attractive football, but I just remember games where Santi Cazola would just single-handedly dominate matches. I mean, if you're even the um, the City game where we won 2-0, oh, I think it was, he, he dominated the midfield, which included, I think, like, Yaya Torre, Silva was probably there as well. So, for me, because he plays probably in a because he played almost like a deep-line midfield playmaker, I don't think he... That's maybe why, as well, positionally, he's not in the most glamorous of positions and assisted in everything. He starts from the back and tries to work it forward. So, would you say that if if he was in a more supportive team in which he could play his range of positions that he prefers rather than 
being kind of played slightly out of position. It, would, we, would we be talking about him in a different light and comparing him alongside David Silver and, you know, with, with much less in between them? I don't know. I feel that if he was at Barcelona or Madrid, I feel people will be absolutely raving about him. I think it doesn't, well, not that it doesn't help. Like, we're an okay team, we're okay, but. I just feel that if he was in a in a better team, I feel that people would just be yeah. in absolute awe of him. And maybe because we're not as good. But I feel that, do you think that Silver would still have that same hype and praise if he was at Arsenal and Cazola was at City? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe, you know, that's the, the one thing that separated him. But you could say that, you know, despite... You know, City getting into the into the money and buying a lot of the players at the start off. You know, there was a lot of players that we bought that just didn't make it, and yet he's been there from almost like the very start. Well, not the very start, but I mean, he's been there ten seasons. The very start of Man City's existence. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we got took over. We moved him. We got took over like two thousand one, two, and then it was part of like this kind of movement. Were right. 2011-12. We've got, we've got rid of them. 10, it was 10-11 you got them, right? Huh? Yeah, 2010-11, yeah. Yeah, but we moved into the new stadium. Oh, sorry, yeah. It was yeah, 2008, I... wasn't it? Silver? No, I... 2008 was the takeover, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, you're talking about the, the, the Commonwealth Stadium, yeah. Yeah, it's called so, like, Spesum... Sorry, yeah. Spesum or Spesum 1, I can't remember. I thought it was 2003. But I might be wrong. I'm not. I was just I'm I'm talking, wrong. Rough, roughly that sort of time. Well, anyway, anyway, since since the takeover, like obviously moving to a new stadium, and then all the kind of you know situation yeah. with the, the previous owner, then the new owners come in, splash cash. You know, thankfully, you know the this this the bought uh, company Silver, as well as obviously like the likes of. Ilan or Rubinho and all that lot, but um, don't Rubinho. Just man. think that I just think that at the start of when David Silva was at City, mm. I think they wasn't in a. I think Arsenal were in a much better position as a team. They looked more like a team than City did. City was just a team full of a few individuals here, and it just it was very unbalanced in the areas. Whereas mm. Arsenal, it might have been unbalanced as a whole. But you still have that kind of team there, if you know what I'm saying. I, I've got a question for you, Eggs, which is because um, so, uh, so uh, David Silva was there two years before Cazorla joined Arsenal, um, and obviously Silva lasted even longer because Cazorla he's still there. Um, and you you were asking the question if if Silva played for sorry yeah Silva played for Arsenal and Cazorla played for City would the would the um, would, would they get the credit that each other gets currently? Um, but, like, uh, what about, like, Alexis Sanchez, for example, who obviously was in similar position, you know, similar sort of time frame as, as Cazorla, so, you know, certainly to the, to the back end of when Cazorla was at Arsenal. And he, despite being in a team that wasn't challenging for the title, absolutely did get the, rec- you know, this recognition of, yeah, he's a really top player. And that, that's, you know, talked about in that kind of David Silver bracket. So is... The 
I don't want to call it an excuse, but is the reason for Cazorla not getting enough credit just because he was playing for a lower team relevant? Because uh, Sanchez is certainly proven. And, you know, to, uh, for a time, Ozil, certainly proof that if you're a real difference maker at Arsenal, you can get the credit. I think, yeah, Sanchez obviously was getting goals. He was our top goal scorer. He was getting assists. He was doing everything. But I think Cazorla, he's just an exceptionally good player that I feel that he's a bit underrated. I think this is what the whole point is, that he is technically as good as all of the quality players that you've mentioned there, but for whatever reason, isn't put in that same bracket when he's equally as good in so many facets of the game. Like, he was just a genius Like when he played. He was so, so good. So my point is that for whatever reason, I don't get why he doesn't get that same recognition. Maybe his stats don't help, so he should have got more goals. Maybe could have got more assists, but assists. But as an actual footballer, mm. he he was insanely good. Uh, perhaps, perhaps you know, I'm I just don't you know have the best memory of it. Obviously, not being an Arsenal fan, but like facing Arsenal again, this is not this is no um, sort of universal measure for rating players but I, I never remember being afraid of Cazorla when, when I played I was, and I, I, only, I only say this because I think we raised it in previous podcasts where you kind of go like you know when you face a team and you some you know, opposition player gets gets on the ball whether it's Thierry Henry or Wayne Rooney back in the day or um, Sergio um, you know Kevin De Bruyne Eden Hazard you sort of feel like oh my gosh something something's going to happen but, but again I would I can never say that I watched Cazorla intently enough to kind of have a proper opinion on this, but I, I never remember being as afraid of him as as for example I would have been at when when Sanchez was peak Sanchez playing Arsenal. I was like, okay, Sanchez on the ball, something might happen here, or you know, um, uh, you know like how I feel when David Silva gets the ball for City. Like, I, there's still a little bit of like, oh my gosh, something, and I I don't know precisely what it is but I, I i never built up that slightly subconscious fear of him that i would have done for other players so i don't know whether mm. i don't know whether you guys other well non-arsenal fans do you guys feel the same as me yeah i i, I think maybe with you when you raised the point of alexis sanchez and ozil i think you know i think that's another good point where his work kind of went o- overlooked um, he was doing a lot of the simple stuff and he was doing the graph, whereas all the, the big, well, not necessarily the bigger names, but the players that were seen, you know, in, in form and getting more of the goals and more of the media uh, coverage on like social media and, and papers and whatnot. Um, maybe that's probably why people didn't look into Cazola as, as highly as David Silva. Because David Silva, again, like the very, they're both quite humble players. Um, oh. you know they don't if something happens they're not going out on the lash and posting it but, on Instagram you know they're that, not but to that point right, like, the paper. They're, they're just kind of like they just get on with what needs to be done um, but I think with Silver at the time it, there wasn't as many consistent City players that were um, that were kind of overshadowing David Silver because what he mm. was doing was brilliant and I think the fact that City fans appreciated that more than but, you know other individual performances as well. I think maybe the media picks up on that. 
Arsenal fans have been very vocal about their love for Cazorla. Then, like that's 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 that was what I was going to say earlier, which is that I've, I've. It's not like I haven't been aware of the hype around Cazorla. That uh, you know, I don't know whether that link, links into anything. Like I know that Arsenal fans have always talked about him in the top, you know, in in, in high breath. But Ro, to your point there, yes. So Cazorla was, you know, saying that you know Cazorla may not have always been the guy that you know he had a lot of players around him to kind of um, take the limelight away from him in terms of goals and stuff. But obviously, yeah, you, David Silva, in terms of statistics, was never a mad, you know, like stat padder. And he had Yaya Torre and, and Aguero and, um, you know, whoever else. To, he, um, I mean, Zabaleta. He had a lot, a lot more, like... <laughs> Zabaleta to take the line. <laughs> Classic Zabaleta. Whenever, whenever City want you know, that, that, I remember that, that was that was it when uh, Aguero when Aguero got that uh, goal in the last minute. It was uh, actually no, I take the piss actually, but Zabaleta actually scored in that game, didn't he? So yeah, he did. Take it all, take it all back. Him, Jekyll, and Aguero. But but my yeah, my point is that Silva and Cazorla, I think, contribute a similar amount. Just glancing at Cazorla's goals statistics, they look they look to be roughly the same as Silva, certainly for the first three or four seasons. Um, but I I, I don't know, I I would hypothesize that I, I just again you know you, when you're a fan I guess you have more of an insight and in, you know you're studying people's games a bit more but I I felt that silver the, the maximum silver could get in a in a game was sort of the absolute sort of world-class level of of creative midfielding of, of a passer of a of a you know you know that that sort of that sort of player I never felt like Cazorla could. I I don't remember Cazorla having a game where I was like flipping heck, like this guy is. I'd like to buy him. Do you know what I mean? But is that just is that just because I didn't watch him enough? Probably because everyone wants to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that like Silver, like you said, he is a world class playmaker. But I feel that I think the hype around him is justified. But I think it's also tied to the legacy that he helped build with City. Yeah. So I think that's why he'll always have that association of he, yeah, I suppose. Helped, he helped build City into the team that they are into. You know, and so. I guess, yeah, his his career very much coincided with that. Yeah, so um, he's going to have that glory period and stuff, yeah. When Do you not think people are talking more about David Silver, obviously a brighter light because it's obviously it's his last season in the Premier League as well. Do you reckon if, uh, it, if it was... I his talk's been around for a while. Yeah. No, no, I don't talk to him right now, but think, do you think it's even more apparent that people are, you know, showing the fact that they appreciated what he's done in the in the Premier League? Like, say, if it were rules reversed with Cazola, say if David Silva went two seasons ago and Cazola was, you know, got to run down his contract after a 10-year spell at Arsenal, do you reckon, do you reckon the Premier League would be talking about him in the same kind of light? No. <laughs> I think Cazola's other problem was he he had big injury problems, didn't he? Yeah, I was about to say he did get injured. So, so that that I think took took away a lot of his ability to to have proper impacts. But then again, I also think that the the sort of flip side of that is, particularly with um, your own fan base, I think when you have a player who's particularly injury prone, there is a tendency to kind of have this what could have been factor pushing the opinion of them up a little bit. Um, like I obviously do really rate Ledley King and think he was brilliant, but you know you talk to a lot of Spurs fans who will tell you that he was the best centre back in you know the sort of 
this this side of the millennium um and you know it's not the craziest thing but i but i i wonder if sometimes when you have a player that's like very gifted but hampered by injury you kind of have that sort of oh you know that what what could have been and that sort of feeling pushes their rating up a little bit whereas you know maybe that's maybe that explains why other fans who don't have that yearning to see him you know more than Arsenal fans do just out of curiosity on that point what do you think of Jack Wilshere what do you mean uh, how highly do you rate him if you're betting on what Harris uh, just said about what could have been and such he, I mean he was good when he was younger he was obviously everyone talks about the Barcelona game um I don't know. I think Wilshire, he was he could have been really good, but I think there was also some stuff like off field antics as well. I don't think helped and smoking in a jacuzzi <laughs> <laughs> and drinking and whatnot. So yeah, I don't know. I think it's I think it's more tragic with Jack Wilshire just yeah. of how exciting a prospect he was and could have been. So it's just more like it's just horrendous and horrible that he never ever reached that potential. I think we treat the Wilshire situation a little bit differently, I think, as well, because obviously it was primarily injuries that kind of crocked him. But we've been able to see the other side, the sort of the fallout from that. And he's had a lot of years where he's, he's not not been a great player. Whereas I don't think that you could say the same about Cazorla. When he, when he came back in, he was still very good. And, yeah. you know, despite, despite his injuries, he would still perform. So... Um, but it's a good point, you know. I think I think you know Jack Wilshere. There's no reason for him to have that same sort of like nostalgic. Oh man, you know that's a you know what a player he he could have possibly been. But yeah, I think we just we we remember him being not very good for for a while now. So um, yeah, it's a bit of a joke player, now, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Sadly, it's, uh, it's, it's just sad. It's really yeah. sad. Saw, Do you think, um, you think oh. Arsenal failed him as a club when it came to the injuries and then kind of? Getting him to, re- you know, rehabilitating him into a much stronger player, and then maybe this dip in form and further injuries might not have happened. Maybe the rush did. It's a fair point because I think around that period we had players getting. Rid- I remember like Van Persie, and um, I mean Diaby as well. We had we either had players that were injury prone or players who had injuries, and for whatever reasons are physios or doctors exacerbated the injuries and prolonged it so yeah, Ramsey yeah Ramsey as well there's so many and I don't know it's it's sort of hard to tell who's, whose fault is that is it well you can't really blame the player if it is like a reoccurring injury but then as our sort of physios and like specialists and doctors do we do they have some responsibility in that as well like did we rush them back too soon when they haven't could, they recovered. Or could it not also be the the training program that they're on? Maybe could be the training yeah. as well. If it's high intensity and you've you've not fully recovered, that could also be a factor. So it's sort of hard to tell, but I don't know. The, the Jack Welsh ones, it's a bit, it's a strange one, and it's and it's really sad. It's yeah. whose fault is it? Or is it just one of those? It just wasn't meant to be. It was just the tragic story. So mm. I was just saying as well, like, I was, I'm totally on side with you. I, I think it's always brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> um, would you put him about? Would you rate him higher than higher than Silver? I, well, I think if you're looking at just numbers, David Silver's higher. But in terms of, is he better? Mm. It's like a um, 
I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of like midfielders who dribble very well. <laughs> um, yeah, to be honest, I, I do think there's de- there's. He's like a less good Moose Moose Dembele. Learned everything he knew from Moose Dembele. I think there's a tendency, particularly in this country, um, to really, really glamorise and rate highly these sort of very quiet, slightly mysterious um, creative types. And I think that um, for 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 rightly and or wrongly, I think we in England get a bit obsessed with them. Pirlo, um, oh, uh, Dennis Bergkamp, Skulls. I'm not saying I'm not saying they're all overrated. I'm just saying that that we get we it's get Skulls. very in England. We like them, um, and I think you know that Michael Carrick, you know, very sort of you know and a little bit kind of understated. Um, I think David Silva definitely falls into that bracket. You know, kind of quiet, quiet genius. Gianfranco Zola. Do we like them, Harry, because they're geniuses and they're quiet, or the fact that it turns out that they're just quiet and they're geniuses? Well, I I just think there's there. I I think we would probably like them anyway for their for their ability. But I think I think you can see a lot of people latching on to when players have a reputation of like like you, you remember like Xabi Alonso had that sort of aura about him. You remember, you remember that video of. Who is it? Diego Costa putting a putting a wax on when they were on the bench together for Spain. He put a wax on his leg and he just didn't. He sort of no sold it. And like Xabi Alonso got that aura about him. And I think I think there is that kind of in England we really sort of you know the lads rate that sort of yeah man he's just yeah he's you know he just he gets the stuff he gets. Um, <laughs> and I think David Silva might be helped out by that study because he is that kind of like quiet mysterious yeah. really genius. genius. Whereas, whereas Cazorla, and I wrong, I wrongly put Zola in this bracket because Zola is a bit more like Cazorla. Cazorla is, is more of a kind of happy-go-lucky sort of, you know, yeah. like Juan, Juan Mata type, like, hey guys, you know, everything's okay. You know? <laughs> and as much as that's likable, it doesn't really sell genius, you know, whereas if you're kind of quiet and mysterious, it's yeah, like, you're oh, quiet yeah. and calculating. And all uh, do you think yeah. that when Juan Mata was at his prime at Chelsea, do you think he was as good, if not better, than Silva? No. No, I I thought that yeah, I th- there was like um, I, uh, what Pulisic is to Hazard currently, I'd say Mata was to Silver is best. Like kind of Silver, but like a step sh- a step shy of you know sort of about seventy percent of 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 that. I mean, Mata obviously was a bit better in front of goal and stuff, but I I don't you know that wasn't what he was his game was about. And I think yeah, it was one of those situations. Obviously when. Silver left to go to City. That's when Mata kind of became Valencia's um, dude. Yeah. But I remember Valencia fans were like, it, you know, we're glad we've got him to replace him, but he's not as he's not as good. And yeah, I would be, I'd be lying. But better than because better than Cazorla, obviously. <laughs> Going back uh, to the, the point that you were making earlier regarding uh, of, you know the genius, we you know because of the genius and the quiet. Do you not think it's just the fact that I think people appreciate the level of professionalism they bring to the game. Yeah, that, that as well. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that, that that comes into it is that sort of like they're obviously quite driven and very kind of unflappable. And I think people react, like respond well to that sort of thing. Yeah, I had a thought about it. it it's more like um, the fact that these, these types of playmakers aren't normally the biggest, like, almost physical presence on the pitch. Mm. So they're seeing almost this, uh, an underdog on the field who 
gets you know in on that thing with gets in there to be effective with their mind and it's almost like yeah you, know, you got this underdog kind of like not nerdy but like you know yeah again yeah like you, you exactly you, you sort of think they're here because they're 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 a genius in a way yeah that kind of makes them more appealing um and and again it's just natural human tendency if something's mysterious we have curiosity so if they're kind of a genius and they don't really talk and they shy away from the cameras then of course we're going to naturally be like ooh. so if there was to be a netflix series about the following situations uh which would be the one that you would choose to watch um i think that's grammatically correct and why so out of the following liverpool's miracle of istanbul so the Champions League final win against AC Milan where they came back from 3-0 down. Arsenal's invincible season. Doesn't really need explaining. Um, Man City's Aguero moment where they won the title in the last second of the last game of the season. Uh, Leicester's title win um, as Premier League, not Championship. And Chelsea's road to the Champions League. Um, now, I figured that obviously these can all be kind of subjective. You can kind of decide where each story starts and ends or where each story goes for whatever reason. But um, you mentioned, Ro, when you brought this up with a few mates of yours, you thought the answer was obvious and they all had different answers. So with that in mind, I'm interested to yeah, know what I, you guys I, think. I, I think the exact same thing. <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't give a Spurs example, but yeah, there's... Um... Well, you know, when we win something, mate, I'll <laughs> do it again. <laughs> But I did say, I didn't I? I did say if, if we had yeah. won the Champions League final, there, there would definitely be a Spurs one. That's the issue, isn't it, with like, um, the ch- you know, the, the Champions League, because you can have really fun moments in the Champions League. I mean, then, that City game, that, that Ajax, yeah. Ajax one. And, and exactly. And, and like, that, there's no, like, those will go down in, in Tottenham history forever. And that's not me being patronising. Like, there's plenty of games that have gone down in Chelsea history that are on campaigns of the Champions League that we didn't win. Um, but that, but they're always slightly tainted when you know, oh, that was really amazing, but we lost the next game. And that's... So, I think I told you guys, didn't I, about the guy whose comment I saw on Facebook about Luke Smaller Factory? Uh, no. Yeah. Right, so I said, yeah. Yeah, I did. When I said I sent his comment on Lucas Morris Hatch, I said, yeah, that's the highlight of his career, though. It's like, well, as, as, as far as highlights of your career, go, that's, that's a pretty yeah, good one. Not, yeah, it's not, it's not exactly a... Yeah. Yeah. A, a second half hat trick to send your team to the final. One of the best comebacks ever, yeah. Shit. Obviously, talking about on the list, but it's quite a funny note to mention with recent... Arguments on the pitch between Son and Hugo yeah, Lloris. The, the Amazon series. You just out, know it's all made for the Amazon series. See, that that Amazon series <laughs> starts the night of the Champions League final. <laughs> so you get to see. You get this to see the, the back You get to see drop down to 14. You get to see Poch being sacked. Jaws there coming in. Wow. That's yeah. uh, Eric Dyer jumping into the crowd. <laughs> it's all for show. Yeah. Do they have any of Moose Dembele? Um, he'll probably be there. He's yeah. got his own separate show. It's yeah. all right, mate, because his, his, his impact is felt within every technical ability of one of those badge. I can't say that. <laughs> Shocking. Um, but anyway, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll rein ourselves back in here. What's, um, what say you guys? Which, which are you watching? So who wants to go first? Um, I'm watching the last one. I yeah. Think. 
I think that's that historically is up there with like Denmark winning Euro '92 and Greece winning Euro 2004. Oh, I think they were boring. It was, they were boring, but they were unbelievable achievements. And I think I think the other ones are impressive standalone occurrences and instances and events. But I think for Leicester to do that over 38 games, so it's a journey. It's not just like winning a few a few matches in a knockout competition, which is still impressive, but to do it over a whole season is just incredible. So I'll be yeah. there watching that. This is my point that I'm going to say, because mine's between two, if it's not obvious, is enough. So mine's between the Leicester one and obviously the Manchester City moment with Aguero scoring in the 93rd minute. Is it just the documentary regarding the 93rd minute, like just that one match, or is it... Well, it's got a bit more yeah. of substance, but it's kind of the build-up to it. This is what I said before. You, you can kind of decide yourself. You can be as creative with it as you want. So you could have it as a kind of general documentary about... Um, it could be a documentary about that season, or it could be a documentary about, um, you know, City's rise from second division, third division, mm. to that to that moment. I mean, obviously, yeah. we're not just going to have it a history of the club, but, like, generally... You, you could have it just about that game, which is dramatic enough in of itself, or you could you could decide, no, you know, the documentary is about the um, the season, yeah. or you know, like whatever. But but generally, yeah, the, the obviously the crux of it. The, the, I'm the actually I'm actually between between three because um, <laughs> I was thinking the more I think about it, uh, so obviously you got Leicester City and then the Liverpool moment. Like I know mm. a lot of people might jump. Oh well, yeah. Liverpool this, Liverpool that. But for me personally, I, I very loosely watch football at this point. But I watched most of the Champions League whenever it was on um, like BBC or ITV because we didn't have Sky or whatever in our house. But I kind of followed that journey that Liverpool was on. And then that was like the one season where I proper got into watching football and I was kind of like, yeah, I kind of want to support a team just because I followed this team. Yeah. I've seen not the impossible, but like, you know, a very unlikely outcome of, you know, what would normally happen. And thought, well, I mean, need to start not been any kind of glory hunter to not just pick Liverpool after watching that. Oh, no, no. Because <laughs> you were. Were... Manchester City. It was like, it was, um, <laughs> it was a good point. But if, if we're being, if we're being, you know, annoyingly sort of critical and specific about this, and we're looking at it as in like this is this is you're approaching this as a as a TV show as like a you know a sort of Netflix thing rather than simply just a kind of sporting achievement. You could probably argue that a lot of those, certainly the Aguero moment and the Liverpool that match specifically, probably have more drama in them than Leicester's because Leicester's Leicester obviously the achievement was just unbelievable and a freak of you know something which will never likely happen again, but. Apart from like, I don't know, maybe that run that Jamie Vardy went on when he kept scoring. There's no kind of like dramatic "will they, won't they" narrative in that story. It's just kind of like they 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 start winning and then they sort of keep winning and then they're at the top and Tottenham are sort of maybe they're going to catch them. No, they're not going to catch them. Okay, they've got that. Do you know what I mean? Happen. Inter and Chelsea. Yeah, like the 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 Chelsea, the like that sort of two all battle of the bridge appeared to be. Possibly. I mean, Leicester fans, I'm sure, will disagree with this, but that's probably the most dramatic moment of that of that run. And again, talking from a purely sort of television perspective, 
you know do the other ones have any have any sort of drama points over over that see i i i think i would watch either like the, obviously the west one but i think arsenal's invincible season is one that i think would be quite good are you are you if saying you watch it now you you'd look at it in a very negative light in the fact that obviously they drew so many games um yeah, but I think more the of like... standard of football back then compared to, obviously, it was good then, but I mean, compared to now... Like... Yes, yeah, so it's, it's the way that I, I think it could be explored and like, would anything like this ever be possible again? Obviously, Liverpool almost came quite close this season, but then it doesn't seem like anything like that will ever happen again and Arsenal are going to have that golden trophy all to themselves. You, you don't think the You don't think a team will go... Undefeated. I mean, to be well, if you well, it depends what kind of universal theories you believe in. But I mean, in in a universe what, that exists forever, believe oh, well, yeah, Barry will come right. back into. Do you not, do you not think the, a team will be in the next in our year? Lifetime, Ash. Yeah, in our lifetime, no, I, I don't think it will. Well, I think I think, I think the standard of football is far too high. Oh, Liverpool were bloody close, weren't they? Yeah, but no, no, no. Look, that, now they've Chelsea, got two draws. Chelsea two. lost. Chelsea lost one the season after City. Uh, Man United got to about March a couple of years ago. I know. Obviously, I'm, that's not to suggest that getting to May is therefore easy. But you just need a season like Liverpool, about where I think, I think everyone's taking points off each other, and yeah. they've just been a consistent force just going forward. Yeah. I um. I, for me, the Arsenal Invincibles one would be the, the last one I'd watch because, just because I think it's a story about a really good team doing something, you know, of something obviously really very good. Win the league like, at White Hart Lane, Harry. That's, yeah, for an Arsenal fan, it'd be great. But I and think, they draw um, it too, too. <laughs> Everyone needs to remember that it was a, it was a draw. <laughs> um, but it yeah, was it, yeah, it was. It was I think with all, with all the other ones, I think have that element of possible exception of Man City thing, the element of like underdog grabbing the you know just grabbing the moment when it's there and it's not going to you know very you know and I, I just although the Invincible story is a great story I just think in terms of a Netflix series I think um, you know it'd just be like that Arsenal were the best best team that year previous years they were sort of up there one of the, either the best or the second best it's not got enough kind of yeah, but I, I couldn't help but picturing with, with the ones with the very, very like dramatic moments. I couldn't help but picturing like because there's not that many dramatic moments in it. Like with the Aguero goal, there's the Aguero. Yeah. And everyone goes, "What?" I was picturing like some American documentary where something tiny happens. They'll drag it out for 15 minutes, and you get coming up next, <laughs> Aguero. <laughs> you, you could have like the interplay because obviously Man City, have, you know. Um, never having won the Premier League, and it happens to be that Man United are the, are the ones they're yeah. going up against. And I, I remember that. I think I was at a Blackburn Rovers match. Really? And that happened really? with a uh, United fan. And I was oh, just, that would have been fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you got the, the, the that the kind of whole build-up play. The last ten minutes that game between both matches was surfacing on Facebook the other day. And, I watched it. It still gives me goosebumps to this day. Like that, that's that's it. because so, I think in terms of one moment. I mean, I wasn't around for the one where um, Arsenal won it in the last minute at Anfield, what was it, 1989 or 1990? Obviously, neither of them were. But th- that, that specific Aguero moment gives me goosebumps and I'm not even a Man City fan, but I just, I think in terms of a pure moment, even if 
And I do think the season had drama prior to that. Um, was it the six one that year, Man yeah. United? And and um, but even if it was just that moment, I, I just think that moment, in terms of an actual one sort of concise moment, is enough to make me go like, even if I watch a crap series for eight episodes, if that's the last episode, I'm I'm. It's worth it. Do you know what I mean? Is is that the tipping point of the balance of power in Manchester? Is that a is that a question or is that the is that the tagline? That's the tagline. So you've turned me, Harry. Oh, I'm you. watching the Aguero. <laughs> that'll get them. That'll get them in for the next series. <laughs> now the one we've not talked about yet, I imagine, is not first on anyone's list. Sir. The Chelsea one. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I didn't put this in to you know be thinking that anyone would pick it, but I just put it in because I think that. It's been said by um, Lampard, actually, which is that if there was a story about a team sort of going after the Champions League and and f- and failing and then going after it again and then, you know, something, you know, like we had the sort of ghost goal for Liverpool and then we had, um, you know, all sorts of dramatic games against Barcelona and just falling short of the last hurdle. And then... I don't know, I'll tell you how <laughs> no, but I think in terms of because it was like particularly for this sort of uh, like I mean again as a Chelsea fan I'm not suggesting that it's out trumps any of these but um, there was a definite sense of this team that was built to win the Champions League that was what Abramovich yeah. wanted and they had all these efforts going and then there seemed to be some sort of thing in the atmosphere that stopped them like the go the ghost goal was was stupid and then you know there was a you know uh, the Barcelona where they denied four penalties and then Iniesta scores in the last minute that sort of thing losing to Man United in the final when we arguably the better side and you know John Terry slips and, I, I and, feel know, that one especially all these, all, you know yeah like you know mm. half and half a post width away from winning it and then the team starts to dwindle and then you just sort of think this isn't going to happen and then finally on the last chance when no one expects them to do it did the drop pull, pull it out of the bag and then that team just after that team disintegrates basically that was the only reason why I left it in I, I think, think you could talk about any moment of football Harry and sound like <laughs> I'd be excited and I'd want to watch it I think it's just the sheer decision yeah. <laughs> like, yeah I want to watch that one there I think yeah. it's th- that'd be a good one just to show how far like, you know persistence and determination can you know get you yeah, yeah I think you... that's, that's got a solid beginning yeah. middle struggle dilemma part and an ending that's yeah. satisfying that's perfect that's a perfect one <laughs> I'm actually, actually no <laughs> actually no no, no. The, the miracle of Istanbul is because um, yeah I mean that's that's yeah. obviously it's got a bit of the the Aguero drama to it hasn't it you know and it's got a bit of that Chelsea underdog you know stuff but again I'm like the reason why I think it's up for debate is is just the I guess the criticism of that would be it was kind of like a it's it's a kind of out of nowhere fluke thing like Leicester because they weren't you know a great side, but I think in terms of that sort of oh my god isn't this am- amazingly unlikely Leicester's got that in abundance way more than this Liverpool thing has that Liverpool thing was amazing but it was just a kind of a bit like a a bit of a flash in the pan obviously the game is really dramatic and the extra time is really dramatic and the penalties are really dramatic so it's got a lot um, going for it but that that I don't think the team. Well, I don't know. I, that team certainly doesn't have the same kind of narrative power to it than I think. The, I think the Chelsea story has more narrative power. I think Man City's story has more narrative power. But if you're talking about just a specific instance of like, let's talk about that game, then then you, then then it's then it's obviously got a lot of power because it's a, it a very unlikely story. I think it depends on the format as well because I think the Leicester one, I think you could play out into an eight-episode season. So you could almost have like certain weeks and certain games that you could showcase 
and then leading up obviously to the final game when they won it. I feel like the other ones, I don't, it wouldn't be able to flesh out that long. I feel it'll just be like a, a solid hour documentary, which isn't bad because, like you said, those mm-hmm. are instantaneous sort of dramatic moments, while the Leicester thing is it's a slow build up until they eventually won it. You could flesh out the Chelsea one, surely. That's like a that's like a nine year story. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with but, the Chelsea one. I don't know why I don't find it as epic. He's, he's I, know, a great, I think like, it's the way Harry told it. Don't get Harry on board. Henry, <laughs> that wasn't the best day of your life. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, even even the way you talk about the Liverpool Istanbul one, I'm like, oh my word, it's so exciting. No, yeah, I, I, to be honest, I... I, 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 I pitching for I, uh, the Netflix series actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> I regret, because I, I do. I, I was, I was only... Tested. I addressed the Liverpool one, obviously, that... Similar thing, it had all that drama. And of course, you, you could incorporate the semi-final, which, I mean, again, wasn't an amazing game, but certainly beating a, you know Chelsea were the, the best team in England at that point. It was the drama of that. Obviously, they beat Juve, I think, in the quarterfinals. And the, of course, the Olympiacos, Gerard in the last-minute thing. Like, so there is obviously a lot of, a lot of stuff there. But again, I, I just think that, you know, a bit like, um, you know, that, the, the, the theme of that would be oh my God, this unbelievably unlikely team did a really amazing thing. But I think if you're going down that route, then Leicester has a, has a bigger draw, if you see what I mean. Because yeah. um, Leicester, if the Leicester one, you'd have to include the playoff semi-final defeat to Watford. Oh yeah, yeah. You'd have, to, you'd have to, at some point, one of the episodes is like, however many years ago, this is where Leicester were at. So you can get a proper premise of, it's a bit like the city one, like you need the context of who they were and that's yeah, it. yeah. You, you need to you need to show how much it actually means. Runners with obviously like Liverpool, they've won, like prior to Istanbul, they've won it other times. Um, you know, Chelsea was that your first? Yeah, that was that was our first. But that's a good point. Yeah, Liverpool have obviously they are a team that has won, exactly they've won it. They've won that competition a lot and. So again, the whole thing with Leicester—it was just so unbelievably like six times to be precise. And, and and also and also, I think, lost count. I think well, don't worry, they will make sure. They will make sure. They will But yeah, the, the the other thing with obviously, I think that you know you can, as has been proven with you know the likes of Greece and Denmark, and if you ask someone else, Portugal in the you can fluke your way to a to a cup win. But to fluke your way to a league win, that is yeah. mental. Yeah, and, yeah, and, to, and to fluke your way to a league win without losing a game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I love how you're pushing this more than I am. No, I know I do because I, I think it is a, it is a big uh, it is a big achievement. I feel like I do I, I do kind of like piss on Arsenal's parade quite a bit. With it. <laughs> you Ash, not have you? Have yeah, you but, um, have you seen? Have you guys seen the baseball film Moneyball? It's got Brad Pitt in it. I've heard of it. I... No, yeah, it's not. It's not much to watch. I know the premise. It's it's a it's a good film. Like it's it, the the um I can't remember the name of the team, but um it's basically this kind of what I I don't follow baseball, but I, what I imagine is kind of like a mid table to lower mid table team, and they haven't got they haven't got that much money, and and um they're losing all their best players and stuff because they're getting bought by the Man Uniteds and the and the Real Madrids and whatever, and then the they and then the the bloke who Brad Pitt plays, uh, he de- he develops this kind of um, sort of scouting system within his own head and with the help of his sort of maths genius guy who can work out like 
certain players get underrated because of certain like foibles in their technique but actually if we put them here they can be really good and the whole thing was like they've developed this calculation that can recognize and and you know and, and they and they built up and they kept winning and they and they basically the whole thing is they nearly won the title they didn't they sort of just didn't win the title spoiler but alert my, but, my, but, but my point my point about this is but the, if that and let's say that in the film they had gone on and won won the title and done the unthinkable if that film had been about let's say the boston red sox who are like the best team i wouldn't consider i wouldn't be like wow you know what mm. a thing i would just be like well they're the best team like okay they did a brilliant thing but they're the best team and that love is... you know they are not the best who boston, boston red sox Frank yankees right sorry the Yan- <laughs> i'm, I'm, a, I'm a massive right. yankees fan <laughs> i'm not going to claim to know anything about baseball but i know there are four bases you just gotta take it one base at a time bro <laughs> and you know when you get three strikes you're out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I've heard um, interviews football scouts and all of them quote that film. Oh, yeah, it's it's. I mean, I don't, I don't ever think it. Could, well, I don't think it could be replicated in football, but it's an interesting idea. No, they yeah. they enjoy the the premise of it. Yeah, it, it is really. It's a good watch. I definitely recommend it to. Yeah, but I know how it ends now. So I don't need to. <laughs> just just like so all of these Netflix documentaries. <laughs> You'll get yeah, to be fair, it's like the kind of way that films go now. Like they always they it's never the journey, they, never, they very rarely yeah, they very rarely win at the end. Like they sort of go Yeah, but they're the all humbled and happy exactly, about it. Exactly. Yeah. They fall to the last hurdle, but actually yeah. they're all better. They're Look at how far we've learned come. about themselves It's the all about the friends we make along the way. Right? So yeah. what we're saying So yeah. I'm 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 we rating them like a top five now. We, <laughs> no, we just, we just <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did the top five, top five made of Netflix documentaries. Yes, to be made documentaries. Would you, would you guys have? Because I, I wanted, I was going to include it to begin with, but I thought, oh, there's just too many to remember, but or at least to sort of have it. We wanted it concise, but the Man United um, Bayern Munich Champions League final. But I thought, firstly, that's kind of a bit similar to like Liverpool's Champions League and Man United and Mads, like Man City's got the last minute goal thing, and it's better last minute goal. Liverpool's got the epic Champions League final. It's a better than a Champions League final, but I just yeah, but know. it was it was Solskjaer, wasn't it? The yeah. treble as well. Yeah, well, so I like, say yeah, the treble got that whole. Season, as to just that game. I, f- I feel like if United win another Champions League with Ole and Solskjaer as manager, I thought like, that'd be a good Netflix documentary. Yeah, he's gone full when circle there. Yeah, to win it as a manager. Yeah. What, 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 what were you saying about the treble, Dave? Oh, the wouldn't you? Wouldn't it be better to have that whole season, treble winning season, opposed to just the Champions League? Oh yeah, by far. Actually, yeah, that's a winner. Why don't what, you... what? As in, as in, are you saying like the Champions? Oh, sorry, you're talking about difference because I thought you'd include as another option the treble winning season as a potential documentary to have. Oh yeah, I mean treble, treble winning. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just yeah. But no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't pick. I wouldn't pick that one. But um, <laughs> podcast over. I would. I would pick. What about City's treble last season? I saw, what about Man United's treble under Mourinho? That was that was the best one. <laughs> Europa League. Three, three guys. Three. I won three. That's <laughs> um, three Premier Leagues. No, so, I, yeah. I'm gonna respect, respect, respect. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be really, really predictable and say just because I think it is the 
most wacky story, despite the arguments I've made for others. I would probably watch the Leicester one. I think the Leicester one is the... I feel that's the least done as well. I feel like the other ones... Especially it's, like it's the, the most, one. it's the most fairy tale, isn't it? Like all the other yeah. ones, you can kind of go. You can look at what, like, if if let's say you're in a coma and you and you went in a coma into in the year 2000, and you woke up to that, and we're given the context of all of that, and you're like, right, which is the lie, lie to them and say one of the one of these didn't happen. Everyone would kind of go like, okay, Liverpool with the context of knowing who they were, okay, that seemed unlikely. You know, Arsenal and the Invincibles, Man City, okay, they got bought out by all those like Leicester with no money and get no there's no way there's no way they did that and then yeah. so I think that's probably the one that you'd have to be what, what year did they win it again 2016 right so I saw one of the best memes I love you know I'm going to say this wrong because it was my meme that I shared <laughs> well I think I've seen it prior to you sharing it I saw, I saw I seen you leave a cheeky like on my uh, shared post there right and I think oh, right. well you guys go fighting over who <laughs> actually found the meme right. well you know what Maybe soon to up with it. we're crediting someone else's work so That's it something. said if you could go back in time and it's the year 2016 what would you say and it says Leicester at 5,000 to 1. If you could always say three words, yeah. Leicester at 5,000 to 1. Leicester at 5,000 to 1. I will say this. You know, obviously, loads of people go on about, like, oh, man, like, you know, yeah, I I almost put a bet on Leicester in October when they were, like, you know, 1,000 to 1 or whatever. Um, I will say that this is legitimate. Um, Is he mum? My mum... Yeah, I'm really in, telling you this. In like, in like August, before the season started, it was like, Leicester are going to win the league. And I'll tell you why. It's no, no footballing reasons. It's because um, she's a Chelsea fan as well. And uh, obviously, we live near Leicester at the time. So she had a bit of an interest there. But also, because they just signed Ranieri. And she was like, oh, I remember him. Oh, cool. And she doesn't know much about football. So she was <laughs> like, they're going to win the league, I tell you. Uh, and yeah, and then now she's realised that she could have made a hell of a lot of money on that. But, Wasn't um, it um, Tom? Was it Tom Hanks who said who came out and said that he put uh, five hundred quid on Leicester to win the league at the start of the season? Did he? Did he? Did he? Did he win? As in, I know Leicester wins, obviously, but like, did uh, he get the money? Watch, or? watch the Netflix documentary. About that. <laughs> but no, but he got. Did he, is that right? He got the money. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Tom Hanks said that he put. Uh, right, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna get this up. He's a big, big Villa fan. Is Tom Hanks? I was about to say, I thought he was Villa. Big fan of Tammy. Tom Hanks betting Leicester's come up. Hollywood actually, Tom Hanks has claimed he put a £100 bet on Leicester to win the Premier League at the beginning of the season. So he would have got, someone do the maths, 50,000. 50,000, thank you. God, it's not even that much, is it? I mean... For Tom Hanks, it's nothing. I mean, you kind of... If you're going to put a hundred pound bet on, you might as well put a thousand. Exactly. That's that's how I've lived my life. Yeah. Because then you've gone from fifty grand to half a million pounds. Yeah. And it's like you know, if you just if you if you lose, just just wait for your next paycheck and you have more money. Like it's simple, isn't it? I think he gets paid more than a thousand. I get paid more than a thousand pound on my paychecks. (laughs) I think think he might have some left over half a grand. (laughs) Yeah. He's you know kind of yeah. I mean. Yeah, he's, you know, yeah, I was trying to make a joke about Tom Hanks, but I like him, so I'm not going to. 
So is it a new new unanimous um, decision that it's Leicester as our number one? I don't know. I mean, I I, I voted Leicester. Yeah, I voted Leicester. Leicester. Yeah. Are we all voting Leicester? All right, and this doesn't this doesn't have to be part of it. Um, but who would be what would be second out of pure interest? Um, Two. Okay, I'll keep quiet about that. <laughs> I'd say, I'd say your um your Chelsea one, Harry. The way you told it. Ah, oh, yeah. With me, with me narrating is the caveat. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, think, uh, I think you swayed me with the, the final, the yeah. final, the final scene of that is like. Just you, you it, 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 the trophy celebrations there. They're celebrating with it, and then it pans to the like the the youth the youth training setup, and you just see like a fifteen year old Ruben Loftus cheek, like just kind of like <laughs> putting his top on. I thought the end back. scene would be your picture with Frank Lampard. <laughs> <laughs> that is all comes full circle. You got the tactics from me. Uh, yeah, Harry, tell him to uh, tell him to push the podcast in your next scene. No, for me, second would be um, the season between City. Winning their their first Premier League the is, is that is that just from my personal feelings? Is that yeah personal feelings? But just in general, like the season was so back and forth. Uh, yeah, I think that for me. Yeah, no, that's fair. And then and then Harry's Chelsea with the the, the commentary of Mister Brent would be third. Oh, he's off. Yeah, I think I I. I'd probably, I'd probably agree with that. I think I'd probably go, s- just because, as I say, the city one still gives me goosebumps, even though it doesn't have anything to do with me. So I'd probably go that second, and then Chelsea. Um, this is a yeah, Arsenal, Arsenal last. Sorry, it's not got enough drama. Not enough drama, man. As always, thank you very much indeed for joining us here at Edge of the Box Football Podcast. Uh, we have a Twitter account. Feel free to give us a follow at Edge of the Box Pod. Really original and creative name. Uh, feel free to also join us for our next episode next week. We'll be talking about financial fair play and the administrative changes that we would like to make. Exciting, riveting stuff. I'm sure you'll all agree, and I'm sure we will all see you or hear you or just feel your presence next time we're on. Cheers now. Bye-bye.